All right. We're going to talk about recreating your universe. Recreating your universe. Talking about on a personal level. Amen. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Father, for the awesome privilege of partaking of your word. We ask you, Father, to minister to us, mind, body, and spirit, Lord. Give us direction. Give us clarity of mind. Give us the strength and resilience, Father, to overcome any obstacles as well as any trials and tribulations that are currently in our lives. And we just praise you, Father, by your spirit uh, that you would allow us to fully grasp the word that's presented to us today, Lord, give it to us and allow it to, to root deeply into our mind and to our hearts, Father, that it would have an impact in our lives on a daily basis, that it would come back to our remembrance as we would need it, that the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, would enable us to overcome all, hallelujah, the principalities, the powers, the rules of wickedness, Father, in this world that seek to undermine our faith. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for this. We just give you the glory, honor, and praise, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we see here it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word faith in the underlying Greek means persuasion, credence, moral conviction of religious truth with a constancy in such profession. I'll read it again. See some people are writing. Persuasion, credence, which you can also think of as lending credibility to something. Moral conviction of religious truth with a constancy in such profession. And the reason that the word constancy is, is important is that you might have moral conviction about something and be very righteous in everything you're doing while things are going well. But where's your conviction? Amen. Where's the constancy of your faith in God and profession of your faith 
when your back is up against the wall, when you're dealing with trials and tribulations that don't relent. Amen. Give you a perfect example. I'm in the software industry. I've been a, a software engineer for 26 years come May 18th. I remember the exact date. And there have been t- times where my career was at the, the peak. I was making a lot of money. I was recognizing the company. Things were going well. Then there was days that I was suddenly kicked out of the door with no, nothing that I had done myself. One time it was a class action suit. They re- literally brought me in one day and gave me a $100 gift certificate to American Express saying, you did a great job. Take your wife out to dinner. Then I get called into the office the following day. And I'm like, wow, why are they calling me in here again? They just rewarded me yesterday. Give me another reward. And the guy sat me down in his office and said, sorry, we got to let you go. Wow. <laughs> rewarded one day with a certificate to bless me for my good works. The following day, let go without a warning. Amen. And I'm like, well, what did I do wrong? You just rewarded me yesterday. You didn't do anything wrong. They just basically started to shut down the company, and they just kicked everybody to the curb. Years later, it was a class action suit, but at the time, they were kicking me out of the door at no fault of my own. And as I was going out, there's a lot of people cursing, and I'm going to beat this manager up, and I'm going to cuss this person out, and I'm going down the bar to get drunk. I'm like, you just lost your job. You're not making money, but you're going to go waste the little money you had to go get drunk. A lot of sense, amen? But the reality is, for me, I had faith with God the day I got sent into the office and they blessed me and the following day when I got in and got fired I still had the same faith because my moral conviction of the religious truth that Jesus Christ is Lord in my life and he's the source of every need I will ever have remained the same amen so in other words the circumstances did not dictate or define my relationship with God nor did it define the reality of my existence amen Jesus Christ and him alone Jesus Christ is my source. He's my savior. He's my provision. He's everything I need. So we have to test ourselves to say, as I go through different circumstances in my life, do do the things I say about God on the good days come out the same way on the bad days? Am I still as constant in terms of my love, my devotion, my fervency, and most of all, in trials and tribulations, my trust for God? Do they remain the same or do I... Stop spending time with God. Am I nowhere to be found? Do I have no faith uh, when I'm pronouncing things about God all of a sudden? You know, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good on the good days. But on the bad days, is God as good? Is God good all the time? Or do you forget to mention God on the days when you're in the valley? Amen? Hallelujah. So we need to have faith. We see here it says, Faith is the substance of this. Through faith we do this. By faith we do this. All these things are tied into faith. You have to realize that faith is the catalyst to a lot of the things that are going on in your life. Faith is the fuel for your vehicle. Amen? So you can't allow anything to quench your faith. And it says here in our text scripture, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance is the essence, the assurance it's a setting under for support. I remember when I bought my house, we had a deck. And um, I'm not sure, for some reason, they had gone through all the zoning and everything for us to buy the house. But then when a the guy from the city of Voorhees came in, he came back and he said, I got a problem with your deck. 
the bars, there's like a fan effect on my um, on our deck, and the spacing was a little too far apart, so they told us you had to fix that. You have to close the gap there. So I went back to the owner, and um, not only that, but he said you not only had to fix the fan, but he said you had to fix the, pile, the, the poles that come up underneath the deck because it's not supportive enough. And looking at that, the, owner, the previous owner told me, he's like, we've got concrete under there. You can hit this thing with a truck, and it won't fall down, which I ain't going to test it, but that's what he said. But needs to say, because the, the, the city said that it did not have the right undergirding, they said you have to dig this up, redo it, and then restabilize the thing. So we see here in the Word of God, he says, faith is the substance, amen, the setting under for support. Are you properly supported in your life? Not by people, places, things, organizations, connections, hookups, silver spoon from your parents. Are you properly supported on the foundation of faith? Or as Jesus says in the word, amen, are you a house that is sitting on sand about to crumble? We see here it's saying it's according to the word to the word of God that faith needs to be the substance. It needs to be the pylons, the beams, the concrete, the cement, the, the bricks, whatever that foundation is underneath your life. Faith needs to be the substance of these things. So if you're trusting in people and other things, you might fall, but God says you need to frame every area of your life upon that foundation. I just thought of another situation. Years ago, I was building a shed in my backyard. And I've always been very handy with building things. You give me a diagram, I can build it. So I'm out there in the backyard, I'm looking at everything, and I start putting down the foundation of the shed, and my neighbor happened to be in the backyard um, doing some kind of yard work himself. And so he came over at one point, and he said, uh, you need a little help with that? And I, I didn't really need, think I need help, but I was like, Sure, I don't have any pride about that. So he hops the fence and he comes over and he says, like, well, can I make a couple of suggestions? I was like, sure. He said, well, the way you're putting out the foundation, even though you mapped out the perimeter of it right, he said, you really need to get a board for this. And you need to get some tubing here so that water will flow underneath so that it won't, you know, build up this flow of water and ice underneath that starts cracking the foundation. And he starts telling me all these things and he said, well, you mind if I get my... Dude, you got it. So next thing you know, I sat back. He did the entire framework of the bottom of the shed. And once he was done, he said, thumbs up. He hopped the fence and I did the rest of it. And to this day, this is over a decade later, my shed is still standing strong through multiple hurricanes, storms, <laughs> snow being on top of it. I think uh, groundhogs underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> I see them peeking out there every once in a while. All these different things. But not only is the shed still standing, still looks new, but it doesn't leak when it rains. But I truly believe it's because it was founded the right way. Amen? So that's another thing. Are, is the foundation of your life established on the right things? And in a situation like you saw with me, is somebody looking in from the outside, looks in and sees that something might be off kilter a little bit, even though it seems right to you? Are you willing to put down your pride, step to the side, listen to that person so they can assist you in stabilizing something so that it'll last for years to come? Amen? 
So it's a setting under for support. And then another thing that caught my eye about the word substance in the underlying Greek, it means to stanch. And there's, two, there's a variation of it, to stanch, S-T-A-N-C-H. And sometimes they use the word staunch, S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And you're probably saying, what in the world does stanch or staunch mean? Stanch means to stop the flow of something. And the funny thing, well, maybe not the funny thing, but as it relates to the word of God, it's actually talking about to stop the flow of blood from a wound or to stop the flow of tears. So God is saying here in the word, faith is the substance, it's the support beam, it's the pillars, it's the foundation, it's the thing that lies underneath the whole framework of the building building the house of the holy ghost is the building of all these things but also it's this thing that stops the flow of blood a lot of us got saved we had a bunch of mess flowing in our lives amen jesus came in and said i gotta stop the bleeding also a lot of us were devastated as we came to jesus christ he said i gotta stop the flow of your tears amen but we're willing to get in front of the the presence of god continually Spending time to interact with him, building ourselves up on the word of God so that he can staunch the flow and get us whole. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm just mindful. Sometimes we think we're doing things to stabilize ourselves and get ourselves to wholeness. The very thing you do to heal yourself could be killing you. This is coming to mind. For years before I was detected with early stage prostate cancer, one of the symptoms of it is that you'll go to the bathroom, you'll come out and you're like, hey, I feel like I got to go to the bathroom again. I just went. So I'll go back to the bathroom and then start going to the health food store. I start getting saw palmetto and zinc and all these different things. And I would take it for a week or a month or something like that. Sensation would go away. Okay, I'm back to normal. Six months later, here it comes again. Zinc, salt, palmetto. Situation cleared up. Back to normal. Thank God for my annual medical checkups and my blood work. Because through that, I learned that even though I'd taken something that, to me, was a remedy to my circumstances, I was literally masking the very thing that would kill me. Masking it. So the symptoms are gone. Through my own fleshly devices, I felt, well, I'm going around. And the thing is, I was in martial arts training, got my second degree black belt, heading to my third. I was in great physical shape, lean, mean fighting machine, everything going good, taking my salt palmetto as I needed. I'm an alpha male. I'm a bad boy. Cancer lurking underneath. So you could think you're doing something that has you fit as a fiddle, but yet you could be dying and decaying in, inside. Amen? So because I went through the process, despite how I felt of having somebody external looking at my situation and diagnose me, I caught it in er, in early, early enough that I could nip it in the bud before it could eventually take my life. I've known of multiple people who have died of that since that time. So sometimes we think we're doing the right thing to stabilize ourselves and get ourselves straight, but sometimes we need to take our spiritual as well as our physical health out of our hands and let somebody else diagnose the situation. Amen? Cut off the flow of the disease that's in our lives. 
both natural as well as spiritual. Now, then it talks about faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence is the proof or the conviction. Your faith in God needs to serve as your moral proof, your physical evidence that no matter what I'm dealing with, God is going to get me through my circumstances. Amen? It needs to be proof to you. Without a shadow of doubt, you have to have in your mindset that I don't care what people say, I don't care what the situation says, God is going to get me through this circumstance. God, 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 more God, and God, you know, and him alone. And when people come back to you again, yeah, God still. And the week after that, yeah, God again. (laughs) God, 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 and more God. You have to have a moral conviction in your heart that I'm not going to look. Here we see here. Amen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you may not have seen it in the natural yet, but yet to you and your spirit, I have the evidence. I know he's going to come through. Amen? Now, I was watching TV earlier this week, as you're probably wondering why I call this Recreate Your Universe. I was watching TV earlier this week when I saw a commercial for an upcoming TV series, Under the Dome. And as I saw that, you know, as I, as, I, as I viewed the promo for this TV show, you know, you see this town sitting there. I don't know what city it's in or whatever, but there's this town out there in the middle of nowhere. It looks like farmland and stuff like that. But all of a sudden, they're sitting there minding their business, and all of a sudden, this big dome or force field comes over the whole town. And as I'm looking at this commercial, God spoke to me and said, there's a lot of people living there in that same situation in the body of Christ. Amen? You got a dome over your life. You can see stuff on the outside, but you can't dream of getting out. There's various things that are blocking you in terms of your spiritual elevation and getting up higher in the things of God. There's a ceiling up there blocking you that you can't get past. You can see new horizons and new opportunities before you, but yet there's something blocking you, a barrier, uh, a barricade, something blocking you from expanding your horizons at God. Amen? But the, the, but the situation is, do you want to sit back and continue to be living the same way, trapped under a spiritual or emotional force field that blocks you from getting where God wants you to go? Or are you going to see the freedom that God has for you, and then start pursuing it despite the things that are blocking you. And the thing is, we got to examine ourselves. Are the barriers that are there something that the enemy's placed there? Something that we've imposed upon ourselves through a continual behavioral pattern or sins or different things that we're doing, a mindset, whatever it is? You know, or maybe sometimes God's got to block us from getting out because we're just not ready to go out and venture into the deep. Regardless, if, if all of us look at our lives, a lot of us would say that we are kind of trapped in a bubble. Amen? Sometimes frustrated. You know, the saddest thing is sometimes we don't even realize it. Amen? But he really placed on my heart that we got to look at these things. And, and like I said, whether or not they are self-induced, the enemy's doing it, or whether God himself is blocking it and allowing it for this time and season. So that was the first thing he showed me. And then as I was praying about this more, he showed me another one. Some of us are trapped 
in a rut. <laughs> just trapped in a rut. I just can't move anymore. I'm just stuck right here. You know, the places where I need to go, I'm trenched in so deep that I can't see out the top. <laughs> I'm stuck down so deep I can't even see what's on the other side of my valley. I'm down so low that I don't have the strength to climb up to the top. I'm just totally stuck in a spiritual or emotional rut. This is my fate. This is my folly. This is where I'm going to be. No hopes, no dreams, status quo. Amen? But is that the mindset that God wants us to have? And then he threw me a third one. I mean, I could go all day with these, but <laughs> the third one he showed me is the puppet Christian. You're just being pulled around. Spiritual, emotional Pinocchio. People just pulling your string. You have no will of your own. You have no vision, no dreams, no desires. Just You're just dangling there, waiting for somebody to move your arms. That's a sad thing for us to have that mindset. Because when we look at the people... In our text scripture, we see people of faith, Abel, offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Why? Because he saw what was the righteous sacrifice before God. And whereas Cain, Cain looked at the situation and said, well, if I give you this, I'm going to be without it. So tell you what, I'll give you an alternate, which is unacceptable. Abel said, I'll give God my best because I believe him to be the source of all things. And even if I lose it all, I love him and I'm devoted enough to him that I'm willing to give him my all. Amen? See, he moved by faith. He didn't look at the circumstances surrounding him. We look at Enoch. Enoch was the first, you know, first, first person teleported. I like technology. So he was the first one that got beamed up. Not by Scotty, but by God. One minute he's walking there on the face of the earth. Next thing you know, where'd he go? He just vanished. He just pleased God. He was on such a journey with God in faith that God was so pleased with him. He said, you know what? I can't be separate from him anymore. I got to bring him up into my presence. So one day he's literally walking, serving God faithfully, walking in righteousness. And the next, he just vanished by faith. Amen. By faith. <laughs> we look at Abraham. Called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance. Not even knowing where he was going, but yet, just on a still small voice, the beckoning voice of God, ventured out on a journey, not even knowing where he's going. By faith. Amen. So the thing that I would say to us today, starting out is, if we want to recreate our universe, we got to stop walking around according to the same old mindset that we had for years. I was born up in a poor family. Oh, nobody in my family was educated. Well, I want to have a business, but we don't have any businessmen in my family. Oh, I want to be a doctor, but nobody in my family's ever gotten a degree. Oh, I'm musically inclined, but I don't know the first thing about putting together music. Well, go learn. We find so many different limitations by why we can't do this or do that. 
Henry Ford, I was going to use this for another teaching, but I hope I, I get this right. Henry Ford said, if you think you can't, can or can't do something, you're right. I'm going to say that again. Henry Ford, Ford Corporation, all the cars. If you think you can or can't do something, you are right. Go back and evaluate your life. The things you say you can do, and more likely, because we're so negative-minded, the things you say you can't do. Look at the list of things, whether it's a, a literal list on a piece of paper or the list that you got cataloged in your mind. I guarantee you, in most of our cases, the list of can't-dos probably can take the, the list of can-dos, multiply it by 30, and that's the size of that list. It's exponentially greater than the list of the things you can do. For every two things you could do, there's probably ten you can't do. <laughs> I see some brains going right now. <laughs> That's a good thing. We've got to go back and evaluate this thing. Amen? But for the list of all the things that you can do, there's probably a list at least two, three, four times, maybe ten times or more of the things you can't do. But I'm here to tell you today that God, amen, has given us more power, more authority. Amen. We got the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have the gifts of the Spirit. We have all these different things that he's given us to supplement or to enable us to overcome all the things that the world and even ourselves say we cannot do. Amen. But we got to get outside of the mindset of, oh, it's just about me and my shortcomings and my strengths and my weaknesses. It ain't about that anymore. In him I live and move and have my being. Amen? In him. And if I have it in him, why am I evaluating my life and my potential, the things that have blocked me for the, from in the past from getting where I want to go now and say I can't do it because of the hundred things and the hundred excuses that we have in our closets. Either we trust him by faith or we don't. And that doesn't give us a, a free pass and a green light. If you've got some mess in your life, you've got to get it out. But you still shouldn't be walking around on a daily basis with the mindset of I live in the land of I can't do because. Recreate your universe. Amen? Get out from under the dome. Break through that force field. Jesus and the power of God can't break through any obstacle. Get out of your rut. Get yourself a ladder, a rope, something. Repel yourself up out of that thing. <laughs> Cut the strings. Sometimes apron strings. <laughs> Family strings. <laughs> a lot of us never get to the land of promising God because of all these emotional attachments that are surrounding us. Amen? And so you got to realize, a lot of people are going to attach themselves and string you along and pull on you. And a lot of times it's because they don't want to do anything in, this, in themselves. So the last thing you want to see, as much as they love you, and that's the thing that's so twisted about it. They love you with all their heart, but they'll pull you down. And they'll keep you where they're at. Because if you arrive, then they've got to look at themselves in the mirror and say, this is how much I failed and haven't done. Amen? You can't allow that to happen. And see, you have to even look at it that if I cut these strings and I start moving into things of God, 
even though I might have to separate from myself for a season, or they might look at me, oh, you think you're better than us? Maybe, just maybe, there might be a couple other people that are similarly stuck under the dome, <laughs> in the pit, or the rut, or strung along and puppetized or puppeteered. You might just simply free somebody else from their circumstances. Amen? So you just got to do what you got to do in God. And like I said, it's not about you, your capabilities, your intelligence, your skill, your, your, your bodily stature. It's about none of these things. It's totally about the spirit of God and what he wants to do in you. Amen? And us just having a willingness to say, even if I have to go this alone, I'm going to go it in God. We're just so tied to all these personal connections. Oh, I'm going to offend this one. I'm going to offend that one. Jesus Christ is very offensive sometimes. <laughs> I was looking at, I think it was John 2-4 last night. His mother came up. Uh, Son, there's, there's, there's no wine. we're running out of wine. You know what? He, now, never sinned. Only begotten lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Gave himself a ransom, ransom for us all. The book of Ephesians says he died for the church. He's the head of the church. He's the husband. We are the bride. And yet Jesus Christ, mother came up saying, uh, we run out of wine. He said, woman, what you got to do with me? This ain't my hour. In other words, get out of my face, woman. So in other words, if Jesus had something he had to do, if he had to get a little stern, well, well. When he ate people's tables, brood of vipers, hypocrites, whitewashed sepulchers. I mean, sometimes we spend too much time trying to get along instead of getting into what God has for us. Amen. You can't necessarily go where you're called to go and take everybody with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm talking about recreating your universe and it starts in the battlefield in the, of the mind. It starts in the emotions. It starts in your expectations of self and what you think your capabilities are and where you think God wants you to go. And that really gets us to our first subtopic for today. Verse 3 of our text scripture says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Framed by the word of God. And notice it says the worlds, plural. It doesn't say the world, like singular. The world, earth, was framed by the word of God. It says it, the Bible is infallible, inspired by God and written through the Holy Spirit, right? But yet, here in our text scripture, it says the worlds, plural, were framed by the word of God. And when I looked at it, I said worlds, plural, I looked at the underlying text and the word worlds is not only talking about a literal world or multiple planets and the things that are in material world in existence, but it talks about ages or periods of time. Amen? It talks about smaller level worlds and things like that. So here we see, too, that not only were the worlds framed but it says that they were framed, or in other words, structured, defined, and built upon the word of God. Now, if they were founded upon the word of God, 
I would assume, and I guess we could all agree, that they were founded on the right foundation. What greater builder than you can, that you can have than God himself framing the world? Amen? And if he's saying that they were founded upon the word of God, or in other words, the principles of God, or according to the nature of God, we could say that they were founded upon the right foundation, and as they were framed, it was done in such a way that they would be in a constant state of stability. So my question to you today is, who framed your world? What is your world founded upon? Is your world founded upon the word of God? The world is still existing. The universe still exists. I talked about last week. I said in Jesus, all things consist and exist and will continue to exist. So is your world founded upon the foundation of the word of God? We even see Jesus talking about that. He he talked about the types of of building. He said a man that built his house upon the sand, the storms, the winds came, and what happened? Great was the fall of that house. But yet if somebody built their house upon a solid foundation of rock, the same storms and the winds came and the house stood. Amen? So what foundation was the framework of your life built upon? And if it wasn't built upon the foundation of the word of God, are you going to continue to stay in that sand shack? Amen? Or are you going to say, I got to do like the Jeffersons, moving on up. Not to the east side, but moving up into a foundation that is built upon the word of God. I mean, how many times are we going to go around the same rock or the same storm or the same crisis of, you know, the storm comes, it wrecks my life, (sighs) rebuild my life. Okay, I reconciled that situation. I rebuilt this. This is all chaos, and I finally got things stabilized. They got an attitude, but things are starting to come along, and, you know, things start to get smooth. You start to get at ease, and next thing you know, here comes Hurricane. Put your name, <laughs> well, not your name, but put somebody's name and your family or your job or wherever on that hurricane, and throughout all that rebuilding you did, they come along, and they tear everything up again, and you're back to square one. Amen. How long are we going to continue to go through that process? Or do we see that the way that I've allowed my life to be stabilized and built was upon my emotions, upon my will, upon my desires and motives, my agenda. It was based upon materialism. It was based upon whatever. It could be even founded upon the fears or the hurts and wounds from your past. Amen? I mean, how many of us are living out our lives vicariously through negative words that people have spoken over your life? You're a loser. You'll never amount to anything. Business, you? Oh, look at her now. She was a town slut. Oh, she's trying to be all dignified now. You know the stuff people would be saying? Accurate or inaccurate. And the thing is, it doesn't matter the accuracy of what people are saying. The reality is that if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are no longer defined by what the world system, our past circumstances, the traumatic experiences, the mistakes we did, all those different things are under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's why he says in Ephesians five seventeen, you are a new creature. Amen? Old things have what? Passed away. All things are new. But see, here's the thing. 
Jesus says in the word that this is your status, your condition. Old things have passed away. All things are new. But it doesn't say there that he automatically makes you a drone and renews your mind. So you think that way. So Jesus could say, this is the status of your life. You've got a clean slate. All things are new. New horizon. Go out there and live the abundant life that I ordained for your life. But if you still have the same mentality, God has make you, made you an heir of the kingdom. You're royalty. But yet, you could still be walking around like a pauper. You're saved. You'll have eternal life when this heartbeat stops, stops beating. You will be in heaven with Jesus Christ. But you could be here on earth, a miserable, beaten up, wounded, bring your other negative adjectives to it, messed up Christian, still be in the world's punching bag and doorknob. I'm a doormat. I'm sorry. So that's why it tells us, by faith and by a renewal of our minds, we have to come from where we were to start aligning our thought processes with the Spirit of God. It's no chance that when you see the weapons of our warfare in Ephesians 6, what's the first thing it says? Yep. What's the first thing you get after you get saved? Weapons of your warfare. Not the sword of the Spirit. It's not the shield of faith. It's not the breastplate of righteousness. It's not having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is the first weapon you get? Thank you. The helmet of salvation. That's the first weapon you get. And see, it's not, a we- it's not an offensive weapon. Well, I guess you could pull your helmet off and hit somebody with it. But the first weapon that Jesus Christ gives you after salvation is the helmet of salvation. Why? Because the main warfare is right between your ears. So God, through his word, can make you eight million promises of how wonderful you are, how much he loves you, how much he's preserving you and defending you and comforting you and healing you and delivering you and nursing you and nurturing you and doing all these different things. But if you can't come to a place where your brain will accept that and it becomes a part of your everyday reality of how you think, you could still be a busted-up Christian that is doing no better than you were before you got saved. Yes, you'll have eternal life, but you'll still be run down by this world as long as you're here. Matter of fact, you might even be worse run down because by accepting Jesus Christ, you put a target on your back that you are at enmity with the world system. Your life could actually get worse. That's why we've got to renew our minds, amen, and start thinking outside the dome. Thinking outside of the rut. Thinking of living my life without all the ungodly attachments that try to keep me where they want me to be and make me do their bidding by manipulating, controlling, or intimidating me. Hallelujah. So we need to realize that God wants to do some incredible things with us. Let's look at Psalms 104. Verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who covereth thyself with light as with a garment, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth, that it shall not, 
I'm sorry, that it should not be removed forever. Look at that. Does that look a mess to you? That looks incredible. God is very great. He's clothed with honor and majesty. And it says he stretches out the heavens like a curtain. You know, just imagine you're going to your, your window and I'm putting up some new curtains. And you stretch out, you know, the curtain rods and you put the, the, you know, the new curtains up. And then you stretch them out and like, ah, oh, it looks good. And maybe you open it a little bit to let the lights in. Amen. We do that on a tiny level. God did that with the universe. It's just me. I want to build something. And I want to make a creature in my likeness that I can interact with. I'm not going to just create a little tiny ball to place them on, but I'm going to create a universe to surround them. You know, creation itself, showing them my existence and giving them all this awesome and splendorous things that they can look at. And so when God stretched out the heavens, amen, it actually says he just stretched out the drapes. (laughs) Wow, what an awesome, infinite God. He stretched them out. I mean, I'll go there slightly. The way you can see that even scientists are starting to realize this, but they don't even know they're realizing it. But it's, it's stretched out like a curtain, and they're finding near a black hole, time, time is, is um, twisted, you know, Time, they find places where time is sped up or time is slowed down, you know, near a wormhole. But it's because, like, God stretches stuff, and because of the areas where the, the black holes are, it distorts everything. They're starting to say, like, wait a minute, we had everything figured out, that everything is exactly mapped out like this. But there's places where, you know, it's distorted. It's just the wrinkles in God's curtain. <laughs> and scientists are detecting it, and they don't even know what they're detecting. God got to figure it out. He stretched it out, but he put a couple folds in the curtain. <laughs> God's crazy. God is, in, I, I didn't mean it the wrong way. Y'all know what I meant. Anyway, it's like, it's like you said, you're bad. You know, it's like one of them. So y'all know. Anyway, he stretched, he covered himself with light as a garment. Stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Lays the beams of his chambers in the waters. Makes the clouds his chariot. Just thinking, like, a mighty warrior on a horse, but yet he's like, I'll ride on clouds. Just look up at the clouds and like, wow, the presence of God is just like, his chariot's gone. (laughs) It just blows your mind. Amen. Walketh upon the wings of the wind. But the thing I like about this, it says, he laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Scientists talk about, oh, this many thousands or millions of years the sun will go nova and the earth will be gone well god said no it ain't Mm, ain't gonna happen he said the foundation of what i created shall not be removed forever amen the earth will always be here because even though the enemy corrupted things and came down and shook the earth so that we have all this mess going on now with pollution and the magnetic field um, being tilted and things like that and ozone layer decaying Once Jesus restores everything, he's going to restore the planet Earth as well. And see, the thing that's important about that is that if God's saying the things that I built will stand forever, if we frame ourselves on the things of God, guess what? They have to be stable. 
Nothing God created is dysfunctional, corrupted, contaminated, busted up, broken down, rusted, and decaying. So if your life is busted up, broken down, decaying, in a rut, blocked in, whatever it is, align it with the word of God, and it can't help but be stabilized. Amen? You want to create, recreate your universe? Align it with the word and the principles of God. So like I said, who framed your world? Are you living in your current condition because the experiences or the mistakes of life or situations threw you where you are? Did you just happen to get where you are? Or do you don't e- not even know how you got there? We see that in the Bible too. <laughs> Was Ezekiel killed the, the prophets, ends up under the tree. And God comes and says, what are you doing here? I'm depressed. That, that false prophet is going to kill me. God's like, how'd you get here? Why are you here? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just running. <laughs> running for my life. How many of us are running for our lives too? You know, in your childhood, you made some mistakes. I was talking to somebody the other day. It's funny just how the Lord does stuff. I ran into a young man who, um, he was in, I'm a commissioner in the basketball league. And I'm on the board, and he was somebody that graduated a couple years ago. And um, I saw him at a pizzeria where we got food. He's a delivery driver. I was like, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing good, Mr. Foss. He said, you still involved in the league? I said, yeah, so I'm coming to the end. But, you know, yeah, I'm still involved. He said, yeah, man, well, you know. And he starts cursing. He's like, I beat my life and got caught up in drugs and got caught up in the wrong people. And, you know, blankety-blank and... You know, I'm just sitting there smiling. And he said, but I just thank God. You know, because despite my mistakes and how much I, my life, God still kept me alive. And God's given me the chance to to get my life together. And beep. (laughs) I was like, wow. I said, this guy is mixing in profanity with his testimony of the goodness of God. I was like, but the thing is, how do we conduct ourselves? You know, I like, hmm. How dare you speak to me that way? I'm a man of the cloth. No, I just like, just let him go. And so we're talking. He's like, he said, but I just realized. He said, you know what? He said, the devil tried to mess you up and throw away your life. And he said, I beat my life and got in trouble and, and, and went to jail and all this stuff. He said, you know, but I'm starting to get together. He said, I realized that God gave me a great mind. He said, I'm trying to patent stuff and I got ideas. We got to learn how to think outside the box. And I just thank God for the opportunity, you know. So before I left to make st- long story short, you know, I said, yeah, I'd like to talk to you sometime. So we gave him my business card and everything and we'll just see how things go. But it's funny because he's talking about God and mixing in a few <laughs> but at least he's testifying about God. So who am I to be uptight if this guy came through all that, still got a little stuff in his life, but at least he's testifying about the goodness of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So he's actually seeing, and I don't know if he's churched or not, but at least he's in his mouth and in his heart, he's praising God. Amen? Because I never introduced myself as Pastor Brian or I'm a Christian or anything like that. All he knows me is Mr. Fox or Coach Fox from the lake. He knew nothing about that. We never talked about faith or, or my role in the body of Christ. So this is pure, open, just like him sharing and bringing God into the mix. So I was like, wow. I was like, this is an assignment from God. So just, just let it flow and see how it goes. So my thing is, I don't know if he's church. 
if he's ever read the Bible, but at least he, seeing all the mess he went through and how he destroyed his life, his mindset now is God gave me a chance and God is going to turn this all around. And if he could think that way, my God, why aren't we thinking that way? You know? So no matter what you're going through right now, are you just going through the motions and just floating through life? And this is just the way it is, and this is my lot in life, and everything's status quo, and today my life is boring, and a year from now it'll be boring, and what's your five or ten year plan? Still be boring. I mean, is that your plan in life, or do you dream of anything? Amen? Do you dream of the things that God has in store for you? God never gives up on any of us. Amen? We may give up on ourselves, but God never gives up on us. So like I said, we see in this passage here, amen, God's creations um, are orderly. It doesn't matter whether it's by his hand or whether it's through his mouth. Let there be. The creations of God's hands are orderly and majestic. And they are laid on a solid foundation that can never be destroyed or destabilized. And although we were born into sin, nature, and we may have encountered Various forms of dysfunction, you know, some cases inflicted upon us, some cases self-inflicted. Amen? Regardless of that, if God is a God of order, if God is a God of wisdom, if God is a God of reconciliation, amen, of redemption, he cannot help but stabilize and turn around your life if you fully present yourself to him and say, help me. Amen? Help me heal my heart. Help me heal my brokenness. Help me heal this relationship. Help me heal heal my career. Help me, help me, help me. Whatever my need is. We all got different needs. But we go before God, we could trust him, amen, that he can turn these things around. Some of us may question, why am I in this situation? How did all these things happen to me? Why am I positioned this way? You know, nobody understands. I have an answer for that from the book of Romans. Romans 9, 14 through 21. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing form to him... Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Has not the potter power of the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? So I think sometimes we may question, like I said, Why am I here? Why did you make me this way? Why did you allow all these horrible things to happen to me? Why, why, why? Just coming to mind, Joseph. Joseph could have said these things. Why did you make me a dreamer and from me sharing my dreams cause my brothers to hate me so much that first they wanted to kill me and then they sold me out? Why, God, did I get sold out by my family? 
end up in, the, in Potiphar's house, and then I'm in total peace and total unity. I'm a good servant, and yet his wife makes a pass at me, and when I won't accept it, she actually says I did something inappropriate, and now I'm in prison. Why, Lord? Why is it that I talk to, you know, the baker and the butcher, and I, I talk to these guys, and the one gets out, and he forgets about me? Why? Why am I in this prison all these different years? Why? So that when the drought came, he would be positioned where he would be the one that would answer the dreams of Pharaoh, provide him the insight to save probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, and then be elevated to the palace as a governor of the land. Just think what Pharaoh said. Pharaoh was raised by tradition to believe he was God on earth. And yet he said, I trust your insight more than my own. Just think about that. I'm a God, but yet I don't know how to save myself. So tell me what to do. (laughs) That's the ultimate sign of humility. You think you're a God, you go to somebody else and say, please tell me how to save my life. (laughs) And then he gives him a ring and he says that anything he says, it better be obeyed. And nobody has a greater level of authority in this kingdom than me over Joseph. That's how high he was elevated. He said, the only person that can overrule this man is me. Other than that, if he says, jump, how high? He says, go, you better get moving. He says, stop, stop immediately. Joseph is basically ruined this. He basically made himself a puppet figure while Joseph told him how to spare everyone of that drought. Amen? But Joseph had to go through the process of being sold out by his family, lied on and falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison for over a decade, so that he could go through the process that would get him to where he was, where he would meet his appointment with destiny. Amen? Hallelujah. So you may say, why am I in these circumstances? Why did you make me this? Why did you make all these people treat me this way? Do you know what the stakes are in the game that you're asking God about? How many people may God have positioned or ordained for you to save out of circumstances? But yet you might be fighting and resisting the process. Amen? You know, why has you made me thus? Why did you do this to me? Why did you, the potter, decide to make me a vase when I want to be a plate? We don't know why we were created. (laughs) So how can we question the one who made us? See, the one who makes you manufactures you with every attribute you need, not only for you to fulfill your destiny, but also to handle all the different things that may come up that will interfere with your purpose. Amen? <laughs> just think about that. You know, just, just look at um, all the things that are around you. Cars are manufactured to work a certain way, you know, to, to use fuel. You, do you know that if a, a poorly manufactured car, if you really think about it, a combustion in, engine, that's a bomb waiting to go off. But it's designed. There's, there's literally, when your car combusts and your spark plug fires and hits that gas, do you realize that's a mini explosion? That's an explosion every time your spark plug fires and ignites that gas. It's a mini explosion. But the designers created it in such a way that they can control the power and the process that's going on. Amen. God has created you the same way, to handle all the things that were going on in your life. And even though the enemy may think he's doing something 
to throw you off kilter, to traumatize you, to wreck your purpose, to ruin your life. God knew before he, did, before he created you all the different things you would go through. Amen? And he gave you the capacity to endure it, get through the other side, and come out stronger, um, more effective, more committed, and more loving of him, but also able to deliver the lives of other people that might need the insight that you learn through the process of going through the trials and tribulations. A lot of us balk at the process. Amen? But God has ordained and given us the grace that we need to get through them. So we may not be totally pleased with the manner in which God created us. I remember one time I taught in this and the Lord gave me a dream. And um, he showed me a puzzle with all these different pieces. And um, the, the, there's some pieces of the puzzle that were missing. And I, I saw these pieces and the puzzle all came together. But every time people looked at the puzzle, instead of being drawn to the overall image of the, 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 the um, puzzle, whether it's a statue or, or a building or a palace or a, a vase of flowers or whatever that it is, people's eyes were drawn through to the pieces that were missing. Amen? And some of us in the body of Christ said, oh, I'm not important, I'm nothing. You don't realize that the body of Christ is this full tapestry. Amen? With all these different pieces of different size, shapes, colors, capabilities. And by us not being properly aligned where God wants us to be, you're keeping the whole thing flawed. You've got to get into your position. Amen? And see, in a puzzle, you see pieces that are shaped different ways. Some are round. Some are square. Some are corner pieces. Some belong in the middle. One of the things you notice about those pieces, each one of them are structured and cut in such a way that only one other piece on that side and then that side and that side can connect to it. You being out of place might be preventing somebody else from getting properly connected. Amen? You got to get in your place. Know your place. Amen. Stop trying to be somebody else. They're called to be in your place. You're called to be in yours. And their piece is no more important. We all are interconnected. You know, like I said, in that dream, I saw first all the pieces and then some missing pieces. And then later on, I got a, a, a pic, an image in my mind of a, of a puzzle where all those pieces were stacked on top of each other. I was like, Lord, what is that? He's like, that's at the time, he's like, that's like everybody trying to be like Mike. Everybody trying to be the same thing. So it is not a tapestry. It's a jumbled up, piled up mess when everybody's trying to be everybody else. You're called to be who God called you to be. Amen. So we got to stop questioning who we are and why am I like this and what are you doing? No, we need to align ourselves with God and get ourselves on a solid foundation of the word. Instead of questioning why have you made me thus and why am I in this situation and why did this happen to me? Instead, Lord, say to the Lord, okay, these things happen, but what are you turning again? I know this has to be tied into my purpose, amen? If I'm still here, there's something you want to do in me and what is it, Lord, so I can learn my lessons, get to the other side and be affected for your kingdom. I want to be an asset, amen? Amen? I want to be an asset to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me see. So we need to appreciate how God has formed and fashioned us. You know, I remember, I remember back in the day, I think Pam didn't like this song. There's a song, Steve Arrington. Nobody can be you but you. Nobody can. And it just goes on with all this stuff about your attributes and your traits. It wasn't even a Christian song, even though later on he got saved and he probably had it in him all along. 
but just wasn't saying. But, but it's a reality. Nobody can be you but you, even with your quirks, even with your stuff that gets on other people's last nerve. Nobody can be you but you. You are totally, thoroughly unique. But it's just like that, that Uncle Sam poster. Uncle, uh, Father God needs you <laughs> to be who you are. And like I said, we need to stop being defined by people's strings, whether it's emotional or some kind of pressure or, you know, maybe in a situation where you're, you're getting money or somebody's promising you some kind of connection. You know what? If you're meant to get that connection, if, if they've got the wrong motive behind it or they're trying to steer you in some direction or get you to do something where they control you, let them walk. Amen? You've got to believe God that he's going to get you where you're called to be without anybody trying to govern over your life. God is sovereign Lord over our life. Nobody else. Amen? Hallelujah. So cut those strings loose and allow yourself the freedom of walking. Matter of fact, the word says where the spirit of liberty is. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Amen? You should not feel oppressed. You should not feel broken down. You should not feel like you're being demeaned. I'm going to go on. Um, Let's see here. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of the man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of a man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. In other words, you can't quantify, you can't calculate, you cannot measure all the things that God has prepared for your life. <laughs> so just go back to our original images being stuck under a dome, a force field, or some kind of barrier that's either blocking you in or blocking you from getting out where God has called you to be. Or being in, stuck so deep in a rut that you can't rise up out of it. You feel that the rest of my life I'm going to be stuck in this position. Or the third one, you know, being a puppet on the strings, being pulled by everybody. And I'm sure everybody else has got their pictures too. You could be a prisoner in a jail cell, whatever way you need to imagine it, if you feel that you're stuck in a rut. But compare that to what God is saying here. I have not seen nor ear heard. And even the heart, you can't even ponder or feel in the essence of the core of your being the number of things that God has in regard to his preparation for what he wants for your life. You can't fathom it. It would just blow your mind. If you thought about this from now to the day you die, you still couldn't come up with the number of things that God has in mind for your life. So how can we possibly ever say, this is it? I'm stuck here. There's nothing else. Oh, just one miserable day after the next. I struggle today. I work like a dog. I'm unappreciated at my job and by my family. The economy's not treating me bad, me right. My bank account is empty. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Just whatever miserable thought you could have going on in your head. And you go through that from 
dawn to you lay down in bed at night. And you may be laying in your bed troubled with insomnia or stress only to get up another morning and start that same miserable cycle of existence again. And it may seem like an exaggeration, but in various forms, believers have that mentality and sometimes speak to having that mentality. You may not say, oh, my life is miserable, because, you know, we're going to play the game. We're going to do the right thing and say the right thing, because we've been around the church long enough that we know how to smile pretty. We know how to put on the nice clothes, and we know how to say the, the, the Christian catchphrases. Amen? We know how to go through all those emotions, and we know how to play the game, but inside we could be just messed up. Amen? But God says he has so many thoughts towards you and so many plans and things he's prepared for you. If you could just come to the place where you realize that even though the whole world might say, I dismiss you, you're nothing. God, your heavenly father, sees greatness in you. He sees nothing but incredible things coming out of your life. But you've got to come to the place where you can see that for yourself. Amen. Sometimes it's not the people around you putting you down. Sometimes you're looking, like I said, in the mirror and you're putting yourself down. Look at me. Here I go again. I mean, you don't need the devil to mess with you in your life when you could do that to yourself. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing when you see people, you know, Rodney Dangerfield used to have what they call self-deprecating humor. Uh, El- it, the generous, she's good at that. She kind of like puts herself down and makes jokes with herself. But that's part of her shtick, as they say. That's part of her thing that makes her career and makes her do her comedic thing. She's making money off of that. <laughs> so she does her shtick. And she goes, I heard behind the scenes she could be tough, though. So she got that stick that launches her career and keeps her career going. But she's a woman of authority when she comes out off that stage or that camera turns off. It's another thing to live that way and mean it all the time. Amen. And some people have that kind of mindset in regard to themselves. But we see here, God has prepared so many things for those who love him. But you can only receive the fullness of what it is and grasp it through the spirit of God. Because it says the spirit of man can't grasp it. You just can't grasp it. I remember when the Lord revealed certain things to me, like he, he put me... Um, he gave me a vision. He showed me going around the world, and he showed different things. And one time I had a dream where it's like first I saw, I knew it was like the Spirit of God. I could see the entire planet Earth rotating. And all of a sudden it zoomed into to the continental level where it was just the U.S. Then it zoomed into the state level so I could see the outline of New Jersey. Then it zoomed in to the city level. And then I saw all these people in a room. And you know how like a camera's on focus with one person, but everybody else is out of focus? It was like that effect, and then gradually everybody started turning around and walking, and then it's like the camera zoom in, zoomed in, and then God spoke all these things in my life, some of them that have come to pass, some that are yet to come. But just imagine that. I don't think I'm this super extraordinary special person that God only gave this vision to me. You know, maybe you haven't had the vision, but the point is, God visualized me uniquely and showed me some of the plans for my life, and I believe that he wants to have that encounter with everybody. Amen? God wants to encounter that encounter with every person. And it may not even come in the same form. You could be walking down the street, driving car, your car, praying, singing, reading the Bible, and God will speak to you. I'm just saying that God wants to have a personal encounter with you that will just shake the cage, rattle things up, 
and liberate you, maybe from the prison. Amen? And some of that just coming to mind, Paul and Silas, when they're in the jail, in prison, they praised the Lord, and it caused an earthquake that shook and set them free of that captivity. Amen? Hallelujah. So maybe some of us got to praise and worship ourselves through our circumstances. Hallelujah. I'm going to share one more. Psalms chapter 40, verse 5. Oh, Lord told me I forgot something. In the book of Romans, where I talk about it's not um, him who, it's not unto him who runneth for him that wills, but it's under God. Sometimes when we ask God, why are we made thus? In Romans 9, where was it? I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then in verse 16, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God who showeth mercy. God was saying there, it's not up to, to other people to define who you are, what your capabilities are, where you're going, what you're about, who you need to be. Amen? I'm not, I'm not talking about somebody speaking in authoritatively over your life spiritually. I'm talking about somebody that's doing it for their own ends, for their wrong purposes. Amen? But he said, God is basically saying, it's not up to them, it's not even up to you. It is up to him who wills what you're defined for. Amen? So we want to align ourselves and get outside of our obstacles and that everyday status quo existence. We need to go to God and say, why have you created me and formed and fashioned me? All right, so anyway, go to Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Wow. Many are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. Many are the wonderful works that thou hast done. Just think about that. Many. What kind of works? Wonderful works. Guess what? You're included in the wonderful works of God. You need to start looking at yourself and saying, no, I'm not a runt. I'm not a misfit. I'm not a mess. I am one of God's wonderful works. Amen. That's not something to be prideful about. It's just to say, hey, I don't have to beat myself up. I can start to appreciate what God has done and appreciate the things that he wants to do in me. And then he says, thy thoughts towards usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. Once again, God's saying, not only, we saw in the previous passage, the plans that God has are more than we can measure. In this one, he says his thoughts towards us are more than we can count. So other people might forget about you, dismiss you, dis, you know, demean you. Oh, we're looking for somebody for this or that. Or, uh, you know, you might come in a situation, you come across people and they don't treat you the right way. Or, they just, oh, it's just so-and-so. Or they make you feel small or an inch tall. But just think about that. The God of glory, the God of the universe, says he has more thoughts towards you than you can number. It comes to that, who cares what they think? <laughs> and I'm, ta- I'm not telling us to be arrogant jerks and go around and treat people poorly, but I'm saying, like, as long as you're abiding in the spirit of God, in the presence of God, and according to his principles, 
it doesn't really matter what other people think. Amen? Like I said, I'm not giving us a car to go out and be a terror. No, we have to walk according to the Spirit of God and walk in love and decency and integrity. But basically what I'm saying is that no matter how good you are, you could be like Mother Teresa. You could be like, you know, Jesus Christ. The, the love of Jesus Christ just comes out of you so much, people are passing out in tears from the love they feel. But despite all that, there's going to be people always that are going to be jealous of you and just don't like you. And that's the thing. If they don't like you for righteousness' sake or for whatever reason, oh, well. Because my God, look at all the thoughts towards me. And you specifically. You need to make that a personal thing. All the thoughts he has. How wonderful he sees me. How wonderful his plans are for me and how innumerable they are. And then how many thoughts he has towards me. You know, they are more than be, can be numbered. You can't measure them. If you took a supercomputer, amen? They used to have these crazy supercomputers back in the day that could do millions of calculations. Now they actually make supercomputers. They take a bunch of computers around the world, network them all together to share processing power. And, you know, the number of calculations per second, they finally get to the point where these supercomputers can calculate with the level of speed of the human mind. They're finally just getting there. Amen? Where they went from teraflops, I think it's like pedaflops or pedaflops or pedaflops, whichever way you pronounce it. But they finally got to the level of brains. But the reality is, no matter how much a man-made machine can calculate things, it still is not up to our true capacity and us having a soul and a spirit. And it's definitely not up to the level of God calculating his starts towards us. Amen? So our God loves us. He's concerned about us. He has plans for us. And if God has an innumerable amount of plans towards us and an, an, an innumerable amount of wonderful thoughts towards us, how can we possibly be stuck in a rut? Because my thing is, if he's thinking all these things, what good is a thought if you never share it? Right? What good is a thought if you never share it? A thought is only, my thoughts about you are only of value if I share them with you. Right? Otherwise, you don't know what I think. And if my thoughts are to help you out in your life, to sustain you, to stabilize you, and I see you struggling and flipping around in mud and trapped, if I don't share the thoughts that will get you out of your circumstances, what good are the thoughts? Because I'm not telling you anything that will change your life. So therefore, if God has these innumerable amount of thoughts that will help stabilize and give us abundant life, he doesn't share them, they're no good. So obviously, he must be sharing them. And if he's sharing them, why is nothing changing unless we're not listening? Amen? So he's got more than enough thoughts to turn our lives around. But if we want to recreate our universes and get out of our bubbles, our, our cages, our ruts, get off the puppet strings, we got to position ourselves to say, hey, God, I tried it my own way. I did it in my flesh. I tried to chase after this and chase after that. I thought that person was going to hook me up. I thought through family ties, this person's going to position me here. We don't try everything under the sun. But God. Amen. So I'm saying we want to recreate our existence, amen? Even if you got a good one, but you want to get yourself to the place that God truly has for us, we need to position ourselves so that we can now hear 
some of the innumerable, wonderful thoughts and plans that God has for our lives so that we could take ourselves up to the next level. Amen? I showed you an original <laughs> slide, a force field, a dome, or a bubble blocking the outer boundaries of where we can live, but also blocking the heights of which we can go. God has new boundaries. See, we've been, we've been bumped up against the fence or the edges. Some of us stay in the middle. We ain't moved anywhere. We just right there in the middle. I ain't trying to travel. I'm a homebody. <laughs> Did some of us venture out of the house, but we just staying in the neighborhood. Because this is comfortable. I don't know what's out there. They hurt people you go over there. I'm going to stay right here in my hood. But God's calling you. Then some of us, okay, we venture out a little bit, but we hit the first obstacle. Oh, dang for me, that was painful. But God may be trying to speak to some of us and say, it's time to knock down that wall. It's time to break through that barrier. It's time to get out to the other side and expand the boundaries of your habitation. Some of us have looked up. We've had dreams, you know, dreams of ministry, dreams of businesses. Dreams of self-improvement, I keep hitting that ceiling. I just can't get past that ceiling. I tried, and those people didn't like me, so they blocked me. I tried, but it's all a bunch of nepotism, and they only promote family members or people that do their bidding. I tried this and tried that, and I just keep hitting that ceiling. Well, God says, no, there are no ceilings in me other than what I define. But see, if you try to break through the ceiling on your own strength and your own will, you're going to keep bumping and falling back down to the ground. But God says he has places for each one of us that he can get us to, but we got to, once again, listen to his thoughts and his plans, submit ourselves under his, his full authority, and allow ourselves to venture out. Amen? Not with the instability and the chaos that we've had before, not with the dysfunction and the messes and the trying this and that, and, oh, I never could seem to get over the hump. But I'm talking about now getting to the place where we fully submit ourselves over to us, to, I mean to him, allow him to work in us, allow him to groom us and train us and re regenerate this thought process, amen, so it lines us up with his will, and then we start moving out into the things as he planned them, amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's all I'm going to share today. We're going to continue on next week. We're going to talk about moving. <laughs> Time to move. We'll talk about, we'll start off with, with moving in God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. <clears throat> Recreate your universe. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody needs prayer, feel free to come forward. I'm going to do a, a, a prayer over everybody. But if you need prayer, feel free to come forward. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we just praise and thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, you foreknew us. You called us according to your purpose. You predestinated us according to your will, Father, as the chosen one, as the elect. Hallelujah. Before the foundation of the world. We thank you, Father, that we were born in this time and season. It was not by accident, but it was by divine assignment. We just praise you, Father, that although we may have been placed in the circumstances through the actions or the attitudes of people, 
through the attacks of the enemy or even as a result of our own mistakes or our own attitudes, Father, that you are a God of restoration, you are a God of peace, you're also a God, Father, who is deemed that we would have an abundant life. So we just praise and thank you, Father, that, hallelujah, we would all uh, go back and examine ourselves. Father, is there being anything that has wounded us right now? We, can, we just command every wound that has been placed within us, Father, emotionally or spiritually, Hallelujah. Through the sword of spirit, we praise you, Father, that you would do mind and heart surgery right now. Purge out every ungodly word is spoken. We've canceled every curse, every false prophecy, every word that has been spoken against us that is meant to control, to manipulate, or to condemn, or to position somebody outside of what you called them to be in. And we just praise you right now, Father, for the spirit of liberty, hallelujah, and all your people. We thank and praise you, Father, that years and years of pain will be broken right down in the name of Jesus. We thank and praise you, Father, that you will renew the spirit of our minds, hallelujah, that we will no longer think according to what has been spoken over us or even what we've done in the past, Father, hallelujah, but we would truly experience the emotional and spiritual liberty that you had ordained for us, Father. Right now, Father, we praise and thank you, Lord, that if there's anything we've done ourselves, Father, that has caused us to be isolated or stuck in a spiritual rut, Father, right now we confess it as sin. We praise and thank you, Father, that hallelujah, your word says as far as the east is from the west. That's how far you've removed our sin from us. So right now, we confess this right now. We praise and thank you, Father, that we are now liberated and in right standing before you. And Father, hallelujah, we praise and thank you, Father, to rekindle dreams and visions, Father. Rekindle, hallelujah, our spiritual and our natural gifts, Father. Rekindle everything, Father, that the enemy has stolen, Father, and restore it unto us, Father, hallelujah, that we can walk according to your spirit, and we can walk according to your divine purpose and your divine destiny. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for this, Father. We speak, Father, for fruitfulness, Father, in your people today. We thank and praise you, Father, that not only will we walk, hallelujah, in abundant life that you had called us for, Father, but also you would allow us and show us how to be people of impact, Father, that we could touch our friends and our family members, our co-workers, people in the streets that are total strangers, wherever we go, Father, hallelujah, let your love, Father, enable us to be ministers of reconciliation, Father, and ambassadors for Christ. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for this. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.